We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Rams talk ready. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, Michael Stewart, former Los Angeles defensive back, and we are here to talk about, uh, that's right, the Rams lose tonight in San Francisco 34-31, a heartbreaker, a game of ups and downs, and also a little drama on my end here, social media tonight. How you doing there? Mike, how you doing? 
Man, I'm hanging, man. It's just, uh, you know, I, I have my thoughts about the Niners, but man, you know, hats off to them. They, they I guess they got it done at the end, but man, it's, ah, I guess we'll talk about it. <laughs> what, you can't share your thoughts about the Niners? You can't share it? <laughs> yeah, boo. <laughs> for, the, for people who maybe didn't hear our initial interview with Mike uh, when he first came on the show, before he was actually a co-host, he shared that he was a fan before he was a player, and then he played as for the Rams against the Niners. So the hate is real. It's not just real. It's not just you know, fan. So it's fan and player, and you know, it has to evoke some old memories of those games you played in the '80s. I think of uh, the was it the '89 game where the Four oh, came for back sure. from twenty-seven down. I remember that yeah, one. Yeah, it's just. Oh, oh my goodness. goodness. I just, you know, you look at it and it's an old school shootout and, you know, and obviously we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the details of it all. But, yeah, it definitely brings back some memories of just, you know, like, wow, how did we let this one get away? Well, how did they? I mean, they, that was the hard thing to watch is as they had the game, at least within their grasp, it was not an easy one. But they gave it away. Third down, third down, deep throws. All yeah. those questions. Folks are asking about that on social media now. There's the question of Jared Goff. His game was interesting. And that's where the, the uh, drama came from. And the running game. Todd Gurley, you mentioned him before, the game, before we started the show. And those are all things we want to cover. Before we do, it is late, guys. We're going to be real and say, you know what? We're not going to go through all these ads tonight. We have a lot more broadcasts coming this week. We'll cover the ass tonight. We just want to ask you that, you know, hey, if you like what we do, hit over iTunes, leave a five-star review. It'll enter you into our contest where you can get yourself a Rams personalized jersey from NFLshop.com. Once you get there, once you get there, to 200, 200, 200, 200, 200. Five-star reviews. We'll, we'll give out that reward. All you got to do is leave a review. It has to be written. Take a screenshot of it. Send us an email at ramstop1945 at gmail.com. Also, you can find us anywhere else podcasts are found, including Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. All right. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Not, we're not going to do the, all these ads tonight. We're just, we're just going to do the the, um, the nitty-gritty. And uh, I, I guess I'm a little short on words because like, I'm, I'm fired up and I want to make sure I, I get this all kind of clear and out there. So how about we... Go take care of the numbers first. Sound good? Sound good? Mike, you there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm listening. All right. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, it's uh, perfect, sir. Let's All do right, it. here we go. First down, Rams 24, 49ers 19. Third down efficiency, 5 for 13 for the Rams, 4 of 10 for the 49ers. Total yards, 395 to 335. Total plays, 70-56. Net yards rushing, 72 for 24 carries, 3 yards per carry average. Again, very little running to the outside. I guess about that too. Uh, very one hundred, you know, one nineteen for twenty three. So the 49ers ran the ball well, didn't run enough. Passing, Jared Goff twenty seven to forty six, three hundred twenty three yards. Was not sacked. Did throw an interception that we'll talk about. Seven punts for four. Sorry, six punts for for four three point three yards. Uh, seven penalties for forty three. They fumbled twice. None were lost, and they had the ball for thirty two minutes. Compared to the 49ers, 216 yards, 1627, 6.5 per pass. They got to Garoppolo six times in this game. Yes. Six times. 
And they probably gave a lot of teams some blueprints on, on how to, to cause some problems there. But, uh, man, the end of the game took it all away. Okay, The individual players here um, want to note that for the Rams, Jared Goff, 27-46, like I mentioned, two touchdowns, one interception. Overall, very, very good in the beginning, very good in the end. Had a rough middle. We'll talk about that. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16-27 for 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Todd Gurley, 15 carries for 48 yards. I'm sorry, that's inexcusable. We'll we'll get on that one. Uh, Four for 12 for Goff, uh, two for seven for Henderson, two for six for Woods, one for minus one for Malcolm Brown. Mostert over there for the 49ers, 11 for three, and Tevin Coleman, five for 33. Uh, Robert Woods, eight catches, 117. Tyler Higby, another great game from him. Nine catches, 104 yards. Brandon Cooks, four for 39. Josh Rawls, two for 32. Cooper Cup, four for 31. And no running back catches. George Kittle, five for 79. Manuel Sanders, three for 61. But one was the big one, 46 yards. D.U.S. Sanders, four for 31. Greg Zerline misses a field goal. Uh, Really not his fault in terms of Situation should have been shorter. Uh, Robbie Gold, two for two. And let's see here. Then one kickoff return for 81 yards for the 49ers from Ricky James Jr. Ricky James Jr. Let's see. Weddle, six tackles. Dante Fowler, six tackles. Two and a half sacks. Aaron Donald, one and a half sacks. Morgan Fox, a sack. Ebicom, a sack. Uh, Corey Littleton, seven tackles. On the other side. 11 tackles from Fred Warner and a pick six. 13 tackles from Drake Greenlaw. All right, so, Mike, what do all these numbers tell you? Well, it just, it, it, it tells you there was a somewhat, uh, some consistency, but roller coaster. And, you know, as you break it down, it would look like, hey, man, the Rams had a solid game with the exception maybe the run game, you know, a a number of sacks, uh, you know, time of possession. You know, all those things would say, man, the Rams probably won this game. But, you know, you get a pick six right before the half. You miss a field goal, though it was, you know, 50 plus yards. But at the same time, all those little things end up being what was the difference at the end of the game. The thing that's really annoying is the Rams did enough in this game to win. But they also did enough to lose. Yes. They deserve this loss. Folks can complain, well, this you gave it away late there's nothing you can say about it. They outplayed them for much of the game, but they gave it away. Well, you know, these are the games that you can absolutely see when you're doing, when you're not doing a lot of the little things, right? So, uh, you know, they're playing pretty good, playing pretty good, you know, offensively, this and that. Then they kind of start giving up some sacks. Golf has a bad stretch you know, playing great defensively. Then you decide on a third and 16 twice, uh, you give up first downs. The second one just was unacceptable. First one, I kind of go, okay, because Weddle got hit with a penalty, you know, on that series before, 
you know, when he came through with a physical hit, he got the shoulder in there, but because it's above the shoulders, it's considered a, a, a play that can be flagged. So then this time when he needed to, as we say from the secondary, you have to separate the receiver from the ball. You can't really do that in this day and time, or you're going to usually get, you know, hit with a penalty, kicked out the game, fined. And so it just, to me right there, that's a third and, and long. You cannot give that play up. But when you're afraid to separate a guy from the ball, you're going to probably give it up, and that's what happened, which set up the next third and long. And then it just obviously was a blown coverage by, you know, unfortunately one of our rookie guys. What can you tell us about that coverage? What did Taylor Rapp miss back there? Well, it looked like he was playing a totally different coverage. The only thing I could think of, you know, we have a coverage where you roll over the top of the corner, the corner comes down and reroutes the number one guy, you play the outside third. But giving the down and distance, they wouldn't have been playing that coverage uh, because there's no reason to, to roll up. I mean, you could easily see uh, Ramsey playing off, man, just making sure everything stays inside, and, and Taylor Rapp should have just been on the hash. But the thing is, he just ran outside. Either he thought the receiver was going to go outside and up the sideline, or he just was playing the wrong coverage. And it just, if he would have been where he was supposed to, he'd had interception because Garoppolo really just threw it up there. That's the thing. They got away with a lot of just throwing things up there today. There were right. numerous throws where they were just thrown up there. Right. That's the frustrating part with all of it, is that the Rams' pass rush was on. They're forcing Garoppolo out of the pocket. And I hate those plays a lot of times because that means if there's such a rush coming at him, there's space in front of him. And sure enough, he made the throws. He made the throws. And... and there was nobody back there in a couple of cases, and that forced each pass to Sanders. You're like, oh my gosh, we're <sighs> how can this be? Third and sixteen, right there. He's at he's at the first down marker. He's right there. How how are you not positioned? And that was just one of a couple of examples in this game where the Rams had opportunities and gave them away. The kickoff return, they one yard. Where you at, man? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can't. I mean, and come on. There's just well, the little things, and that takes away from Mike a really good performance, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Something that stuck out, stuck out to me was the second to the last drive that Kittle, they're double-teaming him down the stretch in, in the end zone, any kind of, you know, on a scramble play, kind of gets open at the end. He fits it in. But on that series, Aaron Donald wasn't in the first couple plays, and they gave up two big plays early on. To me, those kind of things is a difference in the game. Now, I don't know if he was out thinking like, okay, we got this right now. Let me take a blow. Let let the young guy, you know, I don't know if he had a, a, a helmet or, or equipment issue, but he wasn't on a play, and then he runs out there, and he hit. he's hitting his helmet like, man, I knew I should have been out here. And then you look like he come in, you get to Errol Donaldson, they're kind of putting pressure and doing some different things. But those are the kind of things, if you're in on the first part of the series and you go three and out, well, now you got him. But instead, 
it ends up being a drive and drive and drive and they end up scoring, you know, down late down there. So I look at little things like that that, you know, yeah, we'll look at the last play, obviously busted coverage. But there's other things that happen throughout the game that end up allowing them to keep things alive, keep hope alive. And then they eventually squeaked out the win on the field goal. Just just ridiculous. The question I've been seeing a lot in the last couple of days pertains yeah. to defense has been Wade Phillips. With performances well, like this. And, well, well, I don't think it's because you can look at the defense was balling. Well, no, no, let, me, let me let me lay it out for you. I am not making this case, by the way. I have no, feelings. I, I have certain feelings, but just let me lay it out, okay? They hire Wade Phillips in 2017. Yep. The defense is okay. Defense was pretty stacked in 2018. Underperforms. There's some injuries involved there, but underperforms. 2019. Defense is great in some games against lesser opponents. And awful in games that to the point of 55, 45, and 44, two opponents. And then today was kind of a mixed bag where they had some great moments and some, some rough moments. And then you start hearing reports that Wade Phillips may not be, might not be back next year. How do you assess the job that Wade Phillips did overall and how do you assess the job that he did in this game? Well, overall, I think he's done a great job. I mean, there's been a lot of transition. When you look at when Wade is at his best, he has a forefront guys, which specifically two guys coming off the edge that are able to put massive pressure on the quarterback. And he usually has two lockdown corners who can lock up anybody all over the field. Combination of pass rush. Lockdown corners, very effective defense. With us, he's had that at times. Whereas Aaron Donald, you know, he's like a one-man wrecking crew, which means somebody else should be getting home. So those are the times when we're seeing, even like the tonight, where guys are absolutely getting home based off of him getting double team. But remember, Aaron Donald wasn't in camp last year. You know, with the whole contract thing. So by the time he got going, he still ended up defensive in, uh, MVP. But at the same time, those first couple games he was back, you know, you got to get in game and playing shape. So you couple that with going into this year, you have a number of free agents, you know, with Clay Matthews, uh, Weddle. You had, uh, you know, Ramsey come over late. But, you know, you had Akeem Tlaib coming off an injury. Uh, Marcus Peters, you know, was up and down last year, eventually gets traded this year. So then you're playing with a whole lot of other new guys on the defense. So when you're starting to play with a lot of different guys, a lot of times it depends on, you know, how much are guys able to retain. So when you're talking about a scheme that he's run or ran, you have to have the guys who can mentally keep up with all that stuff. However, when you're dealing with rookies, free agents, you know, I would like to see if he's able to have a consistent, you know, like same defense for the most part. And then you kind of can maybe judge it a little more uh, overall. 
but you can tell like tonight you have them uh, that first big third and 16, you got a linebacker underneath that's not really getting his depth. Let's a guy kind of sneak in there, boom, first down. Obviously, the last play, you got a rookie secondary player who's playing whatever defense, but a veteran guy would know, okay, we're not giving up the deep ball, and then I'm going to just track the ball and see the quarterback. But he just took off running to the outside for some reason, which the receiver's what weren't taking him to the outside. So that's why I know as a busted coverage, because you're either reading the quarterback breaking on the ball or you're pattern reading the routes and they'll take you to the ball. He need, he didn't neither one of those. That's uh Mr. Rap. So yeah, overall it'd be interesting to see as far as Wade, but I, I just think he's done a great job with all the turnover. There's even more though. You're 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 asking for consistency, but they don't have the money to bring back Littleton and Fowler Jr. They don't. Uh, they yeah. They don't probably don't have the money to bring back. Uh, excuse me, bring back Brockers. They're probably stuck there. They they well, have money. Don't get me wrong. We did the math the other day, and they're going to have money. They're going to have about what they had last year, but now they got to pay more people. So. They're going to be losing some talent this offseason, and they have some decisions to make on who's most valuable. We're going to talk about that, I'm sure. But where do you go then? Well, you got to remember, we talked about this uh, really almost two years ago going into, you know, the big year. The Rams are going to have, you know, pretty stacked with free agency. Uh, but then last year, we followed it up with, okay, you know, you pay Gurley, you pay golf, you got to pay this guy, had to let this guy go. Uh, and we talked about how that would ultimately somewhat handcuff the defense in the sense of it looked like they were putting all the money, not all the money, a lot of money into the offense last year trying to get that Super Bowl. So when that didn't happen, now we come back this year with a number of guys that we either couldn't resign or they signed other places. And then you just got to, you know, fill in where, where those holes are. So here you go again next year. But if you think back, that's the same thing was similarly happened to Wade in Denver. You know, eventually they couldn't pay all the guys that they had on defense that made them stellar. And then it starts looking a little weaker than, than it did those, those years when it was strong. And also, though, Denver's defense was never bad. Even as they started losing those players, they were able to develop guys behind them, and they did fine. And I'm hoping that's the case with guys in our system now, like Okoronkwo. And hopefully they can keep, like, keep Littleton, and maybe it looks like Sebastian Day is finally coming along. I think there's still hope for these young guys that are developing underneath, but they're starting to make some moves. And you got to think about Jalen Ramsey. you got to think about... Uh, who else goes on the defensive line? There's going to be some offensive line turnover if uh, Whitworth leaves. And if he is staying, how much does he get paid next year? So right. there, there are a lot of questions that the Rams have to figure out, and they're not far away from being back. You know, the, things change in a dime. The Rams had a lot of bad breaks this year. If they just stop one of those third down plays tonight, it's a different game. Right. So it can change in a heartbeat, and they, they're not far. I mean, I was trying to be encouraging this week 
on the midweek show about that. And, you know, the thing is, the, no season is the same. You were telling us that, that no season thing. You come out with the same players and new problems arise, new, new things happen, injuries happen. Not excuses, though. I think there's some issues there. I think you have to look at what's going on within the coaching staff that there's so many fundamental mistakes that have been happening throughout the year. And that's a concern. I think Jared Goff tonight, I took, I went at it with a, another uh, journalist, so somebody who was um, used to be out there, when it was AM 570 or something like that, or 580, or I don't remember what the station he used to be at, um, wrote for us a couple times. But he and I went at it because I, I noted the, the actual play, the interception. And I said it very simple, okay? And this went bananas. This went bananas real quick. I wrote, make sure I have it right here. We've defended Jared Goff quite a bit in the past. There's absolutely no defense for that mistake. Fails to read the defender, throws off balance, just a poor decision. Okay. LA Rams going to halftime down 24 21. Now, he and I get into it. He's defending Goff, saying, well, you didn't praise Goff for his performances beforehand in this, in this game. And I'm just sitting there thinking, dude, if you look at my timeline, I was away. I don't even keep, I don't even mark half the scores because I was doing PT for the ACL. <laughs> I just got up and sat down and watched the, watched the interception. But it's also a noteworthy play, and it's a mistake that he's made over and over and over again throughout the year, right? I mean, we've seen that, Mike, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. He made a failure to read the play. He threw, well, first, minor. He was, he was off stance. His footwork's been, when he gets under pressure, first thing he loses is his footwork. His footwork's off. He doesn't read the defender. And the uh, the journalist says, you know, well, he didn't. He couldn't see where the linebacker was because Bosa's coming in. Like, everybody knew their assignments. Everybody knew their assignments. And you know Bosa's coming. So no one knows Bosa. You know he's coming. You need to know where that linebacker is. You need to know where he's at when you come to the line. But Goff never even looked anywhere. The snap, the ball went right there. And yeah, he's under pressure, but that's why you're paid the big bucks. But the more important thing, not really about that play overall, is that same mistake over and over again, not making the read and putting that ball right in harm's way. And that's my issue. And the the one thing that was really annoying was the insinuation from the journalist, well, you don't you, you don't get it. I understand the game. Him, him being that person, I understand the game, implying that well, I don't. Well, I have a... I happen to have a podcast, a former NFL player who played for the Rams and the Dolphins and Coaches, head coaches out there in California now. Michael Stewart, what's your assessment, sir? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, my assessment of, of, of Jared is lights out when he's got time. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's the NFL. So it's going to be very 
unlikely that every time you get back to pass, you're going to have all the time to go through all the reads and then just be able to set your feet and just zing it in there. That's not going to happen. So my my only thing is in those times when you're feeling pressure or we need to, because it was a series right before, uh, wasn't right before. Yeah, I think it was right before the half. You know, he gets some pressure, throws it in the ground. Gets a little pressure, throws it in the ground. And I'm like, okay, man, I get you're not trying to throw an interception. But there's actually Higby breaking open. Yeah, you're probably going to take a hit. But he's open if you stand in there and just deliver the ball. So, yeah, you can get rid of it and, and say live another down. So my only thing is, what happens when there is pressure? Why is it just almost like a give up play? When we see some of the greats, they'll stand there and they'll take the hit, move just a little, and and you know they know they're going to get hit and they know they're going to get a real hit, but they will take that so they can get the ball to their guy to make a play. So that's the only thing. I mean, you even look at that last play uh, with Garoppolo. It wasn't like he was not getting hit. I mean, everybody's got pockets collapsing on him and, you know, somewhat of a throwing up play. And, you know, I just saw, you know, on an article, Ramsey explained that they were playing kind of what we call two man. And he was playing trail technique, you know, safety supposed to be over the top. But as he said, obviously he wasn't. So, again, breakdown and covers. But to golf specifically, yeah, I agree. He's lights out, made some absolutely great throws uh, tonight. But then it's just sometimes when, you know, uh, you just go, okay, Jared, you're you're well into like like that interception. I mean, he's it looked like he saw the guy covering, and yet he still threw it there. I was just so I was just like, okay, were you trying to throw it out of bounds? You know, I don't know, but threw it right to him. So those are the kinds of things that for a guy of his caliber and you just can't make those, you know, kind of same mistakes. And and I don't know. Uh, I don't know Jarrett personal, personally, but I play with some good and against some great quarterbacks. And if Dan Moreno threw a ball like that, believe me, he's going to throw three touchdowns after that. That was his makeup. And he would have been, he would have chunked the helmet or he did something, but he wouldn't have just walked over like, you know, we're in practice and oh, well. And I get that, you know, at the level, you don't want to just be going crazy at the quarterback position, but you, you got to show me a little emotion that it matters. Now, in fairness to him, I can't, you know, after, <laughs> after getting to a big debate where I, you know, because I dare criticize Jared Goff, in fairness to Goff, we did see some emotion from him. When they got backed up from that penalty, they, the camera flashed right at him, and he was ticked. He was ticked. It, and, you know, McVeigh didn't I give him help again. I the room. I didn't. When did he do that? Oh, uh, geez, I wanted That was probably second quarter? No. Maybe third? They were, I, I'm trying, they were backed up real deep. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's third quarter, wasn't it? I think I'm saying when he threw yeah. those two or three balls just into the ground. They ran a girly on the first play. He got stacked up. The next two plays, he just threw it in the ground. But what I'm, I'm like, saying is he's showing emotion there. Just that I think in his defense, though, he wasn't given a whole lot of help in some ways. Like, 
24 carries for 72 yards, barely any outside ring at all. No jet sweeps, no moving out, no ring outside. They're just going up the gut and just trying to do something, which is better than nothing, by the way. But you're not really establishing anything. You're not you're not forcing it. So you're just going to play both sides. They didn't. They they went deep a little more this time, thank goodness. But they still aren't doing the things that we know the Rams to do. Where how many well, catches you a great back observation? Yet? Because last week you said. You know, Mike, how come they stop rolling out? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So tonight you see that they they almost went to a rollout game like too many times. But it's obviously when he's rolling out on these play action, misdirection uh, plays, he seems to be a lot more effective. So what I'm thinking is, obviously the Ravens, they went, talked to college coaches or whomever, but they said, you know what? We got Lamar Jackson. Let's make this offense fit what he does best. And it's made him just dynamic and prolific. I just wonder, like, how come we aren't doing that with Jarrett if he's good at those kind of rollout misdirection? Well, man, those are plays you got to call. Well, but, but, Mike, let's. I think we're forgetting something here. They weren't calling those plays in 2017. And they weren't calling him for much of 2018. He was in the pocket. He can throw in the pocket. Well, but you remember 20, 2018, they had a lot of those. It was more of a play action because the running game was going. But so, that's what I'm trying to say. He's gotcha. actually he's showing us in this kind of background way that he's capable of doing both. He's not. He's being labeled as a pocket quarterback. And he's only... He's only proficient when he has protection of the pocket. Well, he's showing you that's not true. True. That's okay. the point. Yeah. All right. I, he's showing he's, that's not true. And what that really tells me is if they can just get this man some protection up front for pass protection and reestablish the running game, he's going to be fine. The only concern I have with Jared Goff is the developmental phase of, his, of reading. And... I still swear up and down. I'm sent from the hills and high, from the mountaintops, okay? His internal clock is off. And you're seeing that when he's just rushing and throwing balls in the dirt. His, the pressure's there. It's not quite there, and you're still throwing it out. I mean, you got to you have to look back at some of this film, and you're seeing it. His clock is off. And the, the Rams have some work to do with him to get him straight in the offseason. There's no doubt in my mind that Jared Goff can be a Pro Bowl quarterback again. There's no doubt in my mind he could be a top five, top ten quarterback in this league. There's no doubt in my mind he could be a Super Bowl quarterback in this league. But he cannot make the same mistakes he made tonight. It could it could have lost in the game. In the end, it was a defense that lost the game. But you know what? If they go down at half, if they go in the halftime ahead, twenty-one seventeen, instead of down twenty-four twenty-one, maybe the game goes differently. Well, you got to figure that play, when you get a play like that, that is a huge momentum swinger. Huge. There's nothing worse than getting a pick six, especially before, and and that's how we won 89 when we went back to the Meadowlands and played the Giants there. Phil Sims got greedy right before the half. Yours truly got a pick, took it down inside the 10, and we ended up scoring. That ended up being the difference in the game. And so those things that happen right before halftime when, worst-case scenario, 
you know, you punt the ball or what have you. But that was a huge momentum swing. And, yeah, you go into halftime down, it's different than, okay, we had to come out and then score to get back, you know, on top as opposed to, no, we're going to make them chase us because the way it was going, every time we scored, we went up by four. When they scored, they ended up up by three. So we always still had opportunity kick field goal. But when we score, when we're trading back and forth, when we score, we go up by four. That means they would have to score outside of getting a field goal, which is a different ball game. And so, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, you can go back and you see these back and forth. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we score. You don't give up a big pump, you know, kickoff return right after that. And just let them, you know, somewhat get back in the game. All those things are momentum swingers. And that's the thing, too, is you're talking about a momentum swinger. From that point until probably, what, mid to late third quarter, the 49ers were in control. The Rams controlled much of the game. They really did. Imagine if they had been able to at least move down the field for halftime and get a field goal. Because the 49ers were getting the ball to start the second half. So just imagine just a small change. And this is why... In my view, it's important to call these plays out because, believe it or not, they do affect the outcome of the game. In this case, it could have changed the outcome of the game. That game takes a certain path from that point forward. Maybe the Rams don't give up momentum. Maybe they're able to just slowly just knock them down. The 49ers going to have to the 24-21 lead does change the dynamic of the game. In the end, it's the defense that lost for them. It is. There's no doubt in my mind it was. All right, but we can't just write off mistakes like that when those mistakes keep happening. You can't ignore them. You should not ignore them. Does it matter if you have been able to say something prior to that about how great that person's playing? If you see it, you you should not ignore it. You need to call it out. Does it mean you hammer Jared Goff and say, he's the worst guy ever? He's like, no, you just... That was a horrible play. Period. And we've been accused, I've been accused, of being a Jared Goff apologist for how often I've defended him. But on that play... Yes, you have. Yours truly. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. I mean, on Twitter, I've, I've, had, those, I've had those debates on, um, on, on the show with you. And by the way, you, again, you, you, know, you understand the game, don't you? Because you're a former NFL player. You understand the game. Well, absolutely. I just had to throw it out there. Yeah, I know, right? You know, but as you're saying, at the end of the day, you're looking for consistency. It's like I sat down with my high school quarterback just this week, and, you know, as we're getting ready to go on this break, and I said, uh, you know, what's some of the things? He goes, oh, I need to get faster. I need to do this. And I go, no, you need to have better pocket presence, which means there's a number of times when I'm talking about, again, my high school quarterback where he's just running or he's thinking there's pressure when all he has to do is move to the left a little, move to the right, and then deliver a throw, not just duck and run and, and you know, but that's just pocket presence, you know. But, again, that's a high school kid. When we're talking about a Jared Goff who's now played in college, though he didn't play uh, all four years, 
but played in college, played in the NFL. Uh, obviously, they're doing a lot of drills. It just seems like I totally agree with the internal clock in off because, again, my thing is, okay, guy's not open initially. Why are we just throwing it in the ground automatically, you know? And on that one time, we got intentional grounding, you know, because it didn't get it back, you know, didn't get outside the pocket and you do it in the ground. They're like, man, intentional grounding for you. So it's just things like that. Uh, one thing before I forget, man, I just want to point out one thing about just it just seemed like a lot of things this year have been off in the chemistry wise. But remember, our strength coach didn't get cleared of those charges till into July. Right. So whereas he was a big factor year before, remember, things broke loose right before the Super Bowl. And we're like, what happened to Gurley and what happened to to a uh, golf in the Super Bowl? Like, man, but it we kind of zeroed in maybe it has something to do with the strength coach not being there so then we get you know all off seeing the different things he finally gets acquitted in july which means he wasn't there the whole off season and you know they showed a little bit today on the sideline but it just doesn't seem like they had that same overall chemistry across the board and enthusiasm that we we're used to seeing uh when they made the super bowl run well, I mean, even so, last year there was some drama here and there, especially when Tlaib went down and the defense really struggled. But the one thing I, I liked about McVeigh then is annoying me now. I've always enjoyed how McVeigh would say, we're going to fix it, it's my fault, i got to put the team in better positions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But... That's only fixing part of the problem. By taking responsibility, doesn't mean you're taking ownership. They sound the same, but they're not. Because part of taking ownership is then fixing the problem. And after a while, I get tired of hearing, well, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. Dude, we don't want to hear you say it's my fault and and then nothing gets fixed. It's my fault, Derek. It's my fault, and I'm going to go fix Derek, it. It's my fault that we lost tonight. <laughs> it's your fault now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just. But you get what I'm saying? I mean, no. <laughs> you're, when your team is making the same fundamental errors in week 16 as it was making in week one, then there's a problem there. I just remember being being a, a coach. I remember you know being the defensive coordinator and. Get in my guy's ears about getting the rush on, get, holding the edge, and fixing that fundamental problem. They didn't do it. They weren't playing. Right. And I'm not saying you go take Aaron Donald out for you. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you get in there in practice, you fix the problems, you ask, you build that team. And you – I really wonder – we heard all the – I've mentioned this before. We, we heard all the words about, you know, trust the process. We, not me. Well, what is the process right now? What is it? Like, yeah, it's 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 hard to figure out giving the kind of not kind of, but the absolute inconsistencies throughout. I mean, we looked at Johnny Hecker the first couple of kicks is like, Johnny, what are you doing? Oh, I think you know, I hear the announcers, oh, I think the wind 
da 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 and it's like, no, man, this dude is just not punting right now. Like, what is going on? So you start looking at all those things uh, adding up, you know, punt returner, he's trying to make plays, he drops one, falls on it. Then towards the end of the game, he feels a punt and gets just hit simultaneously by two guys, could have fumbled, and it's like, okay, what would make him take that chance right there when there's nothing happening? So all those kinds of things play into everything. Again, was Aaron Donald getting equipment fixed? Was he, you know, letting to somebody else? You know, was he a little tired? I don't know on that one series. But you look at that series when it's now tied up 31-31, if we stop them on that first third down, well, we now have a chance to, you know, about a minute 30 probably is going to be left. Now we have a chance to go down there and do what they did to us. But instead, we let it go on, give up another one, and then we end up losing by a field goal as opposed to at least going into overtime. But bottom line, in the end, the reason why the Rams lost this game, despite the fact they played well overall, they lost the game because they couldn't execute in those key moments. They didn't execute. Not that they couldn't, they didn't. They failed. Right. Now, I know people all over Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp's human, okay? This is his first year. Mistakes happen, okay? We've, Taylor Rapp has been a much bigger positive this year than he's ever been a negative for this team. Okay, he made a couple bad plays throughout the year. He's been great. He is a, for a second rounder where they got him. It's almost a third round at that point. You know, at that point, people should be happy with him. He's going to be your starting safety next year. I think. I think. I, I think. Well, oh, no, gone. He, he, he's he, he's played well. I okay. mean, believe me, I'm just yeah. saying for a rookie, there's a lot going on. And well, that's so, what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm actually saying. He's he made a mistake. I don't want to hammer him that bad because he's human. He's still Absolutely. young. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's no. but Mike, that's just to him and Goff. Goff keeps making that same mistake over and over again. It's true. That's my that's my complaint. It's not that Goff so I think like I said again, Goff's gonna be just tweak things around again, they're gonna be fine. He will, that offense will be finally back to being where it was. Just, they got to get that. They, they need some bit more strength in the middle. That interior line is just not holding up well for running blocking. But I just – he'll be fine. He will. It'll be interesting to see how things go this offseason because, again, if you can create a little bit of consistency without a lot, too much changeover on both sides of the ball – Again, you have guys that now have been in the system a little bit longer. Now you got Cooper Cuff. God bless him. He got over a thousand yards. Huge. Uh, so did Robert Woods. Huge. But now you got a Cooper Cup who's healthy day one. I think he got going maybe probably, I'm going to say about the sixth game. He started looking more like himself. But now you can say, yeah, he's he's back. So by next year, with a full off season, again, strength coaches now in house, uh, no type of thing. It will it'll be difficult to see or interesting to see what happens with Ramsey. Though he showed glimpses that man, he could probably excel in this type of defense and this type of thing. But he probably can excel in whatever defense 
but something like that at the end of the game, and he's like, "Are you serious, man? I'm out of here." You know, I don't know. Well, so it'll be interesting. It's going to be really tempting, though. If I'm Ramsey, I'm probably a bit frustrated with what this. This is the team I came to. Come on, this is what the Rams from last year. Right, but he'd be foolish to not see the talent there as well. He would, so, and it was way better than what, where he came from. So, I mean, hopefully he can do that. Hopefully he can. Uh, he's got he's got the league's best player defensively, at least on the line. Absolutely. To help, you know, when you have that that shutdown corner come by with the best pass rusher, pass defensive lineman in the league, uh, you know that's a those are two really good cornerstones for your defense to build around. I would really think. It'll be a tough decision for him, but fortunately, the Rams have him for one more year. Yeah, one more year with him. They don't have to. They don't have to okay, sign him I, I thought they were saying that you know this this off season they had to re up or he could take off. Well, he promised, quote unquote, that he would not hold out next year. Oh, I see. Okay, um, I'm pretty sure the Rams intend on keeping him. I mean, he hasn't even really gotten into the defense yet. But right, I just look at this thing and go, the pieces are there. There's a few things to fix. They're going to be fine, but it's still a heartbreaking loss. 34-31, a game they probably should have won, a game that had they executed properly, not given these big kickoff returns, and Goff not making that throw, and and um, the defense showing up on that last those last two drives, really. Just those last two drives. Then they win this game. There's no doubt in my mind they win this game. They outplayed them. And... and Man, a couple of those hits that Garoppolo took, by the way. <sighs> he got a lucky. He gets lucky. Yeah. Real lucky. That's what I point yeah. out. Yeah. So we any closing thoughts here? No, it'll be interesting to see how the Rams bounce back. You know, again, back in my day, they said the final cut is never made. So they're going to be truly evaluating everyone uh, next week. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back and, and finish up, you know, their last game of the year. I'm interested too. I'm, I'm really am. I just want to, I want to see them just put together. There's so much talent there. That's the, that's the most frustrating part of the year at eight and seven. Now that's, that's not eight and 17. They're too talented for that. And that's why I'm more and more this year I've held Sean McVay more accountable in my view. I mean, who am I? I'm just some peon podcaster. But with my, uh, what's it called? My venue or my, uh, whatever you want to call this thing, my soapbox. <laughs> you know, he's got, they got to do better than that. They, there's no reason this team should not be 11 and 5, 12 and 4, whatever it is, at the end of the year. There's just no, no reason for it. Well, you could tell Kobe was utterly shocked at the end. He just had like, you know, because they go him and uh, uh, Coach Shanahan, oh, man, they're just buddies and good friends. And, you know, Coach Washington together and this and that. And, you know, Dad brought him in. He's he's literally looking like, I cannot believe I just lost to this guy again. You know what I mean? So you could tell he really wanted this game tonight. And, you know, as we will say in the old days, it was somewhat of an old-fashioned shootout. Uh, we just didn't have enough bullets. We did, though. 
We just didn't shoot straight. Well, we. we <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest about that. The, the Rams should have won this game. Yeah, there's, there's at least three games this year they should they should have won that Pittsburgh game. Yes, they should have won the Tampa Bay game. They they yes. gave away the Tampa Bay game. Yes, there's those three games right there. They just gave it away. They didn't. They, they, there's three games. Two of the they, they didn't even show up defensively in that Tampa Bay game. Jared Goff throws what four interceptions that game? Three or four? Yeah, it was up there. I mean, was... we found today, you know, Tampa Bay seven and eight. They're a much better team than we anybody thought they were going to be. But still, talent levels. You know, the, the Rams. I mean, like I said before, I put the roster up against anybody's, but they didn't execute. And this is why I'm saying, you know, fix your culture in that in that locker room, and you're going to be fine. The question I'm going to have in the offseason is, can Sean McVay fix that culture in there? And I don't want to hear anybody tell me that there's nothing wrong with the culture. A team with that kind of talent going eight and seven and finding ways to lose games like they did tonight, there's a culture problem in there. Don't know what it is. You get your running back moping on the sidelines half the time. You got the defense laying down in a couple games. Yeah, because you look at and and maybe you know again we talked about matchups. You look at last week, it was like okay, where is the defense? Like what is going on? Then you come back this week and maybe I don't know rivalry game Frisco. You know, many years of rivalry back and forth. You know, hey, we really need it. But it's like, where was that effort last week? You know, and to your point, where was that effort in those games that we just kind of stunk it up? Sure. That's, you know, you know what I mean? These guys are at the NFL level and you have to have more consistent play, especially when you have a talented team that has the ability in showing flashes, but you can't go one game on, two games off, two games on, one, you know what I mean? You have to just be consistent and get it get it going every every game. Okay, real quick before we go, and, and you're right by the way. Um, a couple of questions here. One one comment came in via the chat here uh, from Cordarius Williams. Said blame less Snead for not getting players our team needs. Um, you want to take that one first? Do you agree with that well, or not? I don't know. I don't agree with blame less need in that sense. I mean, the cap dictates who you get and and then there's timing of things, you know. So, uh, yeah, is he going to get some of the blame? Absolutely. I mean, he's a part of the the people that are bringing guys in and out now with those things. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that that's totally warranted because, again, when you're trying to keep your guys, you're paying out a lot of dough, uh, and you're just somewhat handcuffed when it comes to the salary cap. Well, I think he's talking about the players they got. And I'm, you know, I'm not so sure I agree. And the reason why I, I'm not sure I agree is well, Taylor Rapp, that's your, he, he's 100% despite tonight, well worth the pick, second round. Number sixty-one, uh, Darrell Henderson didn't see much this year, but the whole running game was a mess this year. That's not his fault. Did show some signs when he was in. We'll see how he produces next year. Uh, David Long got in there this year, started making an impact late in the year. 
Bobby Evans is your starting right tackle. Uh, Greg Gaines has played this year. He's in, he's involved, and we'll see how much he plays next year. Dave Edwards is starting. And Nick Scott, I believe, is still on the team. Is he not? As far as I know. It's been, it's been a while, but he's, still, he's, he's on special teams, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So pretty much that entire draft class not only made the team, but they played at some point throughout the year. A couple of them are starters. Three of them are starters right now. That's a pretty good draft. That's actually a really good draft. Now, if you want to complain about last year, Brian Allen didn't work out. John Opum got hurt. So you can maybe point some of those out. In terms of signings, I think they signed the right guys. So I, I, I'd say, Cordelius, if you could, just, just mess us back and, and kind of clarify what you're looking at because the draft thing has been fine. The... I think there's probably some questions on which like which players are talking about they they should have gotten or should you know what do you can you specify for us and then let us know if anybody else has some questions about it too hey that's good conversation fodder for us we'll be glad to talk about it and I think that's all though I think that's that's all I gotta say on that one 2018 draft class I'll, I'll check that out it's Okoronkwo yeah yeah I mean even off season the Tres Patrick Troy Reader those are you know those are um, those are undrafted guys that made the team and contributed. The Simba West, Webster contributed. Those are all, those are all guys that contributed. That's not too shabby. Let's see here, Brian Allen. You know who they really missed though? They really missed John Johnson. Yeah, it seemed like that in the sense of when you're talking overall secondary play. And again, that's what I'm saying. When you have a rookie now, you had a free agent who comes in and then he's playing with a rookie. Uh, He's trying to help the rookie get along, but at the same time, he's learning a new defense as well. So, Yeah. Actually, Mike, listen to this. Brian, this is the injured reserve here too. Brian Allen. Bryce Hager, John Johnson, Micah Kaiser, John Opum. Every single one of those guys was supposed to be a contributor this year. Yep. People were um, commenting how this team was healthy. No, they aren't. (laughs) Not at all. Micah Kaiser was supposed to be a big part of that defense this year. I mean, John Johnson, he's one of the best safeties in the league. And Brian Allen was going to be your starting center. didn't work out, but, you know, he, he hits, he's your starter. John Nopin actually was coming along. I, my man, that's, I don't think people realize how badly injuries hurt this team this year. Just something to think about. Doesn't yep. mean excuses, but it's still a factor. Absolutely. All right. So, all that in mind, folks, you can find us on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find the group, Rams Talk Room, where we converse and try and kick around the bots that show up once in a while in there. You can find us all over social media 
all the time, one way or the other. Our guys, Ram Tommy in LA, Mark Lahan, all those guys are always chatting up on there. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find, that's right, the Michael Stewart at 1 23. And don't forget to check us out on all those podcast areas. Also, I need to throw out Jim Hawk real quick. Jim Hawk, uh, thank you for being our sponsor and uh, doing everything you do to take care of us. And with that, folks, it's time for us to get out of here. We'll see you midweek. Yes, sir. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm. Good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.